Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. risen man all right you can take a seat worship band thank you so much well we're excited because we've been through Easter and we know the fact Jesus died a, he died a, um, a, a radical death um, paid 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 for our salvation through his life that was broken and blood shed and Three days later, he rose. He's risen. He's victorious. Lives at the right hand of the Father. He's praying for us, the church. He's praying for your family, your situations. He's that personable. He's he's that powerful, omnipotent God. He's able to handle all the, the drama on the planet. He moves about over 40 days and shows himself alive to four or 500 people at one time in one gathering. Many people saw him alive, so that, that's, that's a proven. The 40th day in the book of Acts, he says, wait, I need to prepare you to receive something that you need to live the life that I want you to live. You need something, something way more than just being a nice Christian. You need something to be able to deal with the conflict on the planet. And he says, you gotta wait for that. See, what God wants us to do and, and what the Great Commission infers is that we take ground, possess the land. Possessing the land more so now uh, alludes to the fact that of possessing your soul. In the Old Testament, it was possessing the land, but it's about possessing your salvation now. This is just not easy. You just can't sit on your laurels and expect to have the fullness of life if you just sit back on the fact that I'm saved, I'm, I'm happy with that. No, you've got to possess. This is why it, it should excite men. Men are about possessing, taking ground, running with a football, or kicking a ball, scoring goals. They love it, don't they? I see more men enamored with sport and the, on the, and the conquests of the achievements. And I love tennis. I love Nadal because he doesn't give up. I love that. I love Federer too. I love his style, his poise. Brilliant. This is, this is hard stuff, man, being a Christian. 
It's hard to take stock of the situation we're in. But then it's even harder to win fights for others around us, let alone getting victory yourself. Because that's the ultimate deal that God wants for us. He wants us to fight for others and invoke this sense of, with God, all things are possible. That sickness that your friend is languishing in the hospital there with, you gotta be able to walk into that ward and say, but with God, all things are possible. You can get by in the honeymoon period of um, being a Christian, you get saved, and you think, whoa, thank you, Jesus. I'm bound for heaven. It's a foregone conclusion. Uh, it's guaranteed. I have the seal of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, as a guarantee for my salvation. I know he's there. I just know it. I know it in my, in my heart of hearts. I know I'm born again. But there's more. There must be, there can be, but there must be a desire to expect more. Now, the Spirit-filled church is not just happy, clappy, and we're excited, and we're, we hang a bit looser. And The Spirit-filled church is exactly that. It's about being Spirit-filled. And that infers you being empowered to live the life in the great adventure in Christ. Taking ground, pushing back the enemy's plans off your family, off your business, off your health, off your employment. Let me get real, real. Pushing back the intimidations of your school friends. Finding space to stand up in who you are in Christ Jesus. Have a countenance of faith, hope, and love. Just that is a glorious victory. But there's more. There's more. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the power that changed the world. So I hope you got your Bibles and um, you're doing all right? Yeah. Let's give the Lord another hand clap because he deserves it. <laughs> this message could change your life. It's revolutionary. It's powerful. But again, Jesus died, rose on the third day. 40 days, 40 days. Uh, Acts, first chapter, he's giving his last words before he ascends. And he's basically saying, I need to prepare you for the incoming. Incoming! If you've been in war or saw war movies, you know what that means. My dad was in the war, 
incoming. And Jesus was saying, get ready. I can't tell you when, but be ready. Be waiting. Be expectant. Oh, this is so awesome. I've got to be careful not to, not to get ahead of myself. It's so easily to be, it's so easily that we can become ineffective through our lack of prophetic vision. Now, here we go. Proverbs 29, verse 18, King James Version says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, dwell carelessly, just hang about on the planet, and look, you know, unsaved, uh, but look, this is a big drama, this planet. I've got enough drama in my backyard, in my family. The Amplified Bible calls the vision the redemptive revelation of God. So it's not only just vision a church would have. We have vision. We can state it. We can say, we want to do this. We want to do that. We, we, we want to reach the region. We want to reach into the high school, which we're doing. We want to reach to the nation. We're doing that. We've got C3 Cares. We're feeding the poor. We're doing that. We're praying. We're doing that. We're, doing a, we're, we're teaching, uh, teaching the Bible for spiritual growth in people. We're doing that. We got vision, but the redemptive vision I'm talking about is this. Why are we on the planet? Why did God say, I will build, or did Jesus say, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail? This is, this is God's A plan, being church. You are the church. You are the church. The building is not the church as such. You are the church, living stones built together, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. We pull together, we join together only by this reason. I believe it's we can only pull together and be the family and be the army that God wants us to be. And this is the only reason I know how it can be done. It is through the Holy Spirit. It is through the communing together of the Holy Spirit. It is denying our selfishness, denying our own agendas, and submitting to each other out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians chapter 5. Amen? Once you allow yourself, because we've got so many people now very much pulling back from being involved, pulling back from um, volunteering. The Bible says, my people will volunteer in the day of power. When you volunteer yourself, I believe it's a good day for you in the church. It says a lot. It's a like, like giving. Giving is like, now you've got skin in the game. Now you're not, not just hanging around on the proliferal. Now you go, no, I am obligated, I am responsible to make this vision happen. Is that right? But you won't do that unless you realize the redemptive nature of the vision. Redemptive, okay, so someone some, might not know what redemption is. Redemption is redeeming something. 
<sighs> when I was a kid, I was given an old BSA Bantam from the war days, man. And I'd seen a bunch of older kids push it around the streets forever and a day. Then they gave it to me. And I spent two, three weeks on that thing. And I got on a train and I went some, to some bike shop and I got the, the points, uh, the men would understand, points, the ignition system, and I got... Women understand, they do. The, men are, the, the women are showing up, the men now, on these shows. They're using tools, and, and I'm just so worried about them. They're going to do something disastrous, but they don't. They use all the tools. There's nothing sacred now for men. They use all our tools and want to borrow our tools. And, and I spent weeks on this thing, and we pushed that bike around the street. We pushed it. My 14, I'm 14, my mate's 14, and, 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 and we pushed that bike on Boom, it exploded into life. And we rode it around, and it was awesome. Do you know what that felt like? If I could do that to this church, push this church. Boom, oh my God, we've had a Pentecost. Boom, 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 boom. And my mate, he got on that thing, boom, and he hit that thing down the road, and he hit that dirt, dirt track, and shuck, all I could hear, I couldn't see him. He went straight down the road, lost sight of him, and I could hear him. I've got to say the word, tear arsing. There's only one way to say it. Around that paddock, and I'm running down the road. Man, I've been working on this thing for three weeks. I should be the one riding this thing. I got down there, he came back. He was enthralled, his face, he says, God's got so much power. I said, give me a go, give me a go, get on. I get on it. But we redeemed that bike. Who likes redeeming old houses and doing them up? We used to, we're over it now. Jilly loves it, she loves to redeem. She's redeeming the office at the moment. She's torn it up and she's, redemption, redeeming people's minds from pollution and corruption, redeeming people's lives where they're caught up and ensnared in the sins of the world, redeeming their lives so that they live on the straight and narrow, living for God. I love that. Redeeming people's lives from sickness and bringing it into health and functionality to be able to run with their kids. It's a sad thing when you can't believe if you're, you know, you can't run with your kids or play with your kids or swim with your kids. Fondest memories with my dad was swimming with him, running with him. Redemptive revelation of God. That's what the vision. My favorite rendition comes from the Passion Translation, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. Prophetic vision is always deeply rooted in hope. That is the purpose of vision, in fact. As someone once said, vision gives pain a purpose. Without hope, we don't have the endurance needed to see his dreams realized. So God has a dream for this church to be set ablaze, mobilized, to do a good work for God. We need the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it on just the mere good intentions. Say good intentions. Just can't do that. You, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus is talking about, he, he needs to prepare the disciples for the Holy Spirit. People want a challenge. They, they, people want to commit to something that will take up in them an enthusiasm, uh, you know, a, a sort of a, a challenge to challenge them of their time, their talent, their treasure. They want something. Everyone's, everyone is frustrated in some way of wanting to do something consequential for God, for good, for themselves, but they're caught in mundaneness. It's almost like business as usual. Even marriages can get plain and boring. Work gets boring. Coming to church gets boring. Life gets boring. It shouldn't be like that. We should have enthusiasm. You know what the word enthusiasm means? Being possessed by God. That's what the word, he looks enthused. Oh, yeah, well, he just had an hour Bible study, uh, got up five o'clock in the morning, had devotion and prayer and, 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 and you know, and asked for the Holy Spirit. And, and, and yeah, he looks like he's got the countenance of glory, the countenance of the Holy Spirit. People feel like they haven't got the power to engage that vision. That's another problem. I feel I don't have the power to be able to step up and be accounted for in the life of a church that's talking about taking ground and doing great exploits for God. I would rather just sit back and enjoy my salvation. But they're not the days we live in anymore. You miss those days. In the 80s, you could. We used to go to church on Sunday, and life during the week was quite sensible. The news was almost sensible, and there were wars, but... And we weren't in a pressure cooker during the week in the 80s. The older people are nodding at me. You could actually be, Cameron, a Sunday Christian. You could. You could, be a, Bill, you could be a Sunday Christian. You could get away with it. I'm a Christian. That's right, Sunday today. I'm a Christian. Where's that Bible? Where's that Bible? Uh, C3 Tugra. Yeah, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. That's right. My tithe, my tithe, my tithe. And my worship. Where's my worshiping hands? I've got to put my worshiping hands back on. My, my dancing shoes, my shoes of praise. Uh, but can I just let you down lightly that we don't live in those days anymore? We actually live in the days of 24-7 being in God, in the presence of God. Otherwise, you will found weighed, measured, and wanting at any drop of the hat. Could happen anywhere. Could happen in a marriage problem. Could happen in an employment problem. Could happen in a health issue. Could happen with your neighbor who has something going on. Could happen in our region needs you, and unless you're 24-7, you'll be caught out. All the power you need to fulfill, 
the very reason you were born is available. I love that. The restlessness that people feel is allowed, God is allowing people's hearts to be stirred and he wants those hearts to feel that divine frustration because he wants those questions answered. Now, a church like this is desperately trying to inform the people how they can, um, how they can appease that restlessness in their life. Why do I feel restless? Why do I want, don't want to go to church? Why don't I want to give? Why don't I want to go uh, public with my faith in the marketplace? What is that? I'd like to think this church is going to help you understand, I guess, how you can alleviate that problem. We at the church must recognize it, in fact. Um, Lloyd Oglevier, he's a great Bible teacher, he says, we are not the embalmers of the past, but the enablers of the present and the empowered people for a new awakening. I love that. Um, we must experience these same things. And I'll, I'll just go through them quickly. There are three things to be able to set ourselves up for, for a power encounter with God, for the Holy Spirit to fill us, to have the enthusiasm, the excitement that I'm talking about, to have a, almost a rebirth. If you feel burnt out, to feel like, ah, I, I feel like I can go again. I feel like I can do this in God's strength. So let's look, um, let's look at this scripture first. And this is how I think some people are. John 20, 18. Mary has just encountered Jesus at the tomb. Um, he has risen, of course. And Jesus said to her, go and tell the disciples what you have seen. So let's pick it up in John, Gospel of John uh, chapter 20, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, and he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood, the doors were closed. They were hiding in a room, the doors were closed, Bill. They were in a room, Jesus had been crucified, the disciples now are cowering almost in this room, wondering, oh my God, now what? He's gone. So let's go back to verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I love that. Peace be with you. Now, after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Is that you? Would that be us? Not the, it's just not the disciples. It's not, just not the apostles. It's us. And with that, he breathed on them, verse 22, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
They were behind closed doors. Powerful statement from Jesus. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let's have a look at some of the preemptive uh, measures that Jesus takes them through, just quickly, uh, because there's three things I want to touch on. And, and Jesus says, yes, on the, on, in, this, um, in, in Acts chapter 1, before he ascends, we actually stood, Julie and I, in Israel at the place where he ascended. It's a bit of a, uh, not rocky, but stone, like marble stone protruding out of the ground uh, on this hill. And they said, that's, we're pretty, they're actually pretty sure and confident that's where Jesus ascended. There's no dispute amongst the other churches. Isn't that good news? Because unfortunately, this tomb, we think, no, hang on, it may be that tomb. So it gets a bit blurred. But this place, most people, most people are convinced that's where he ascended. I thought, I've got to go there. So I, Cam, I just stood there. I'm just, God, I'm going to stand here. All the tourists are over there. I don't know what they were doing, but I'm standing here. I'm looking to heaven. I'm going, this is, I'm just trying, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get a sense of this. This is powerful. Um, the first step that Jesus asked them, and, 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 and it's like this. He says, I, I need to prove that I'm with you. Um, Jesus wanted his disciples to be sure of who he was as their leader of this movement. So Luke tells us the following, the resurrection Jesus gave. And if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, Jesus says this, he says, instructions, can we have that scripture up in Acts chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? Yeah, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he has chosen. So up to the time of the ascension, Jesus was in fact teaching and uh, teaching about the Holy Spirit. This is what um, the commentators say, that Jesus gave instructions through the Holy Spirit, but about the Holy Spirit. And the Lord was, I think, convincing them, this Holy Spirit will be the same as me. This Holy Spirit I am sending is in fact the same Holy Spirit that visited all of history through all the great exploits of the Old Testament. This Holy Spirit that was in me performing great miracles, it is coming, but it is me. So he was trying to prove, Jesus was trying to prove the fact that the Holy Spirit that will be sent will be me, in fact. He wanted them to know that, that it was the same, same person. Jesus wanted them to know something much more. He would always be with them, 
via the Holy Spirit. They had to know this and they had to be sure um, that the Holy Spirit would be given them so that they actually could in fact do the same exploits as Jesus did. And he had to make sure with the disciples, disciples, listen up, I'm gonna go soon, I'm out of here, but I want you to know this one fact, the Holy Spirit who will come, it will be me. It will be me, personified personally, on you, in you, around you, it will be me. And it, and it will do what you ask it to do. It will, you will have the same functionality as me. In fact, you'll be able to do exactly what um, was performed in the book of Acts, all the Acts of the Apostles. There should be another chapter in that. There should be, we should be continuing on with that, with those great exploits. That's what we need to be, need to be doing with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, don't be confused. This is the Holy Spirit that I'll send. It is me, personified. The second thing is this. The second thing, that the kingdom is real. He, he was proclaiming the fact that the kingdom is, is about this. It's about the ruling, reigning dominion of God on the earth, coming from heaven, coming to earth, able to change, able to redeem, able to save, able to heal, able to do all these great exploits that I've shown you. This kingdom is a dominion king, is a dominion, is a dominion of, of, of God's kingdom that, that can prevail if you allow yourself to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying it's not just salvation, it's just not the church. It's about proclaiming the kingdom of God. And that's what they're saying now. They're saying it's about the, the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation. We need, and, and it says that in, in Matthew 24, that the kingdom of God will be preached to the ends of the earth and then he will come. It doesn't say the doesn't say the gospel of salvation will be preached. It says the kingdom. And what's the kingdom? The kingdom is this. It's the great drama on the earth. The principalities and powers in the air that are causing all this tension and conflict. It's those principalities in the air and in the heavenly realms causing dysfunction. All the, the dominion was giving unto Satan. That's why the scripture says in Luke 4, 6, and the devil said to him, I will give you all the domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. So Satan has rulership over the earth. Now, if you go back to Genesis, the original mandate, Genesis 1.28, the original mandate to us, which is still pertinent now, it says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue is a word of conflict. There's a process in taking ground. There's a process in taking ground even in your own life, but there's a process in taking ground in the political area of this, of this nation. There's going to be a conflict. There is going to be... Now, some people don't 
even believe in this. But there is, there is a, a conflict in the heavenlies over our government. The South Africans would know that. You've had a great conflict over your, over your, over your government for forever. And that's why you've suffered in so many areas of being a, of being a, a, a nation that has been at peace. We're starting to suffer the same thing. Now, Jesus is saying to us through the Great Commission, the same thing as he's, that he said in the very beginning in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. It's a military type term, revealing that we were born into a war. God created us as a people of solution and purpose, but think of it, we're designed to solve problems. Even the ailments in the government, in people's lives, the answer is Jesus. Amen? His redemptive work made possible the restoration, can make possible the restoration of the planet, its people, and our world. So again, when you go to the Great Commission, that's exactly what it's all about. The King the kingdom has a king, and he is at hand. That means that the king, his kingdom is there. It's, it's, it's about us, if you believe it. The kingdom means what? The rule of God over all life. That means us. Our lives surrendered, our lives understanding that we have a part to play in this kingdom coming. That's what he was saying to the disciples. Understand this, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be anointed, empowered, mobilized to push back against the powers of darkness and take ground. And like in the Garden of Eden, well, like they were supposed to do, Adam and Eve, extend the Garden of Eden of peace. Extend it, extend that peace across the earth. Who would like to extend peace across this region of the Central Coast? Who would like to push back against the tide of darkness through their prayer? Who would like to take ground for this church so that this church can function on a higher level? Thirdly, waiting for God's timing. This is very crucial. Jesus says... Um, in this verse 3, I think it is. Can we have Acts chapter 1, verse 3? I'm nearly done. And he says, I want you to... Now, this is hard for everyone, especially you impetuous people. You appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Yes. Can we just keep on going through that? Through the verses. Verse 4. One occasion he was eating with them and he gave his command, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me talk about. Wait. Who loves waiting? Who loves waiting for stuff to happen? Most of us want stuff yesterday or even the day before. Who likes waiting outside a ward for a loved one to come out of an operation? Who likes waiting for answered prayer? Nobody. But in the waiting, 
there's a process of what God needs to do. We've done a lot of waiting through this church being built. When they, we were putting up the tent that we, we, we pioneered this, this church. Two school halls, got the land. We had an idea. Let's put, let's put a big marquee up. Can't afford the building, but let's put a big marquee up. And we did. We put a big 300-seater marquee up. And someone said to me as we were putting up, so Pastor Phil, how long are we going to be in this tent for? I said, one year max. Five years later, potholes through the roof because the hail damaged the roof. People were holding umbrellas up to read their Bibles because the rain was leaking through the roof. Who loves waiting five years to get out of that tent and to get into this building to hit the GFC and not have enough money to finish the building and more waiting. But in the waiting, God builds our character up. God does a work in us. There's something about waiting that God does through us. Um, Isaiah 64 verse 4 says, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no ear has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Waiting strengthens you. It says there. What about Isaiah 40 verse 31? But those who hope in the Lord, it says in the NIV, will renew their strength. But in, a, in, the, in the New King James Version, Isaiah 40 verse 31, it says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Waiting on the Lord blesses us. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord, therefore the Lord will wait that He may be gracious to you, and therefore He will be exalted, that He may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. Who's, who are good waiters in this church? Who's got, who's got the gift of patience? Who believes they've got the gift of patience, the fruit of the Spirit, gift of patience? You're just willing to wait. And by way, can, can I have that photo I gave you? Um, I just got this off uh, Instagram this morning. God always gives, this is, what it act, this is what it said. I added the red wording. God always gives his, his best to those who leave the choice with him. It's Psalm 37 verse 7. I said, what does that mean? Um, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And then I had to go to the scripture, and the scripture is above. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. So you're waiting, you're doing the right thing, but all the wicked, all the wicked people around you, they're getting success and stuff is happening, but you're just in this waiting mode. But God turns all things, every situation, every circumstance, He turns it all around for good to those that love God according to his purpose. Maybe if he tried to give it to you here, it wouldn't have built you up in some character area. Maybe 
He wanted stuff to be sorted out that you couldn't see. He was working behind the, the you know, working behind the, the, the scenes, so to speak. He was doing that, but you're just waiting. Why do I have to wait? I mean, even the disciples are going, we're ready to rock. He's risen. Jesus is risen. Let's do this. Jesus said, wait. But Jesus, you're alive. And even if you ascend, we know you're there. Wait. Wait. But my business is ready to go right now. Wait. I'm ready to do this for God. Wait. There's something about God wanting us to wait. Not passively. Some people like to wait passively. They go, okay, well, let's, let's just see how it goes. And you can just tell by their attitude. All right, yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah, I thought so. No, it's not going to happen. I love people like that. They're great people to have on your team. I like, I like, um, I like these people. These people. Expectant people. They're waiting. They're expectant. They're like a mum with a baby. They just go, Julie was telling some baby stories when she first fell pregnant. She was so enamored, so caught up with this that she thought she was Mary giving birth to virgin, you know, a virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus. Um, and and she, she was, you know, walking down to Wim Bay and she only had a little bump like this and she's just going, She's just going like this. Look at me. Pregnant. Look at that. Bet you haven't seen that before. Sticking her stomach out. So proud. Unfortunately, now we've got mums falling pregnant. I don't know whether to say this, but they're they're almost second-guessing. Is it going to go through to full term. So they're covering up that expectancy. They're not telling anyone. They're not even telling their mother and father or their loved ones. Oh, I'll let how many weeks go by? 12 weeks or so. And then they get the thing done. And Oh, yeah, no, it's got the heartbeat now. Now we can tell everyone. Ah, I don't know. I'm old school. If you're pregnant, man, you're pregnant. We're celebrating. And if we have to go through the anguish of you're not going to full term, well, maybe that will... I don't know. God will turn it around for good. And, and he'll do something out of it rather than hide all that. Anyway, I'm just speaking from man's point of view. Sorry, ladies. But I love people who are expecting and waiting. They know when they get up in the morning, there's going to be an answer for their business, for their life, for their church. They get up and they're expectant. They're waiting. They come in here and they walk into the church and they're expectant. They're, they're, we're in church, man. What's going to happen? It's a posture. Something's going to happen. Something will. And it may happen suddenly. Just like in Acts chapter 2. When they were waiting. Music team, thank you. The expectant person, on the other hand, is hopeful. 
believing the answer is just around the corner, due any minute. His belief is not a passive thing. His heart is full of hope, expecting his problem to be solved any moment. He's eager with faith, eagerly awaiting the answer. And you know, if you believe in Jesus coming back, um, and you should, the Bible says we should be living in between the time of Jesus ascending and the time of Jesus coming back. Um, help me with this, Josh. You're a Bible college eschatological people. What does that mean? Paul says we should live in the tension of Jesus has risen, sits at the right hand of the Father. But when Jesus, the second coming, comes back, we should be living in that tension. Not like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be coming back. Yeah. Who knows? We've been hearing that for ages. You know, your posture changes, your countenance changes. Yeah, he's supposed to be coming back. Look, I've got stuff to do. Apparently 400 people were in that upper room. And one by one over 10 days, people say, oh, look, man, I thought it, I thought it would be here by now, the promise. I thought the Holy Spirit would have come by now. Man, I've got, I've got some cows to attend to. I've got my shop to attend to. I've got my stuff to attend to. I'm out of here. And in the end, how many was left? 120 expectant, faith-filled, hopeful people still with a sense of, he said, wait. We're waiting. It's 10 days, man. Boom. Boom, the Holy Spirit comes. Why does the Holy Spirit come? Acts 1.8. Thank you, Jonathan, please. I'm done. I'm done. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem? That's where they crucified the Lord. And be my witnesses and, 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 and in Judea? Judea? That's where they resisted us. They didn't want to know a bar of us. And Samaria, that's where the half-breeds are. Why were we reaching out to them? And to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles? Why are we reaching out to them? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly why we need the Holy Spirit. To be able to reach the people that God assigns us to. The half-breeds, the Gentiles, the lost, the dysfunctional, dysfunctional. We need the Holy Spirit. Can I just give you the heads up right now? The Holy Spirit is for this. Communicating. Being a witness. You cannot witness and communicate the love of God, the compassion, the passion, the sympathy, to a lost and dying world, to a person in front of you without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables you no caring, no Holy Spirit. If you're just coming out with pure rhetoric of how to be saved without caring for that heart, caring for that person, 
it ain't going to work. You're not going to be blessed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to communicate. The Holy Spirit is to communicate the great love of God. If you, and, and man, once you start caring and want to communicate, did you know the word witness means martyr? Did you know that? Witness means martyr. What, what do you mean? Martyr. Martyr dies uh, in the flames and, or is shot. And... Martyr means this that you're willing to deny yourself and portray the cross. Deny yourself and portray the love of God. That's being a witness. Where you, you count the cost and say, well, it's going to cost me. I'm going to be embarrassed. It's going to cost me something. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be able to put on my best, best, you know. I, I'm going to have to deny myself, humble myself to reach this person. And when we do, the Holy Spirit comes and we can communicate witness for Jesus to anyone. I could put you in front of the Prime Minister. I could put you in front of the, the, the Head of States. I could put you in front of the Queen and you would be able to witness, wouldn't you? You could use this in your employment too. You can do job interviews like this. When you get the confidence and the boldness of the Holy Spirit, Thai people, you're going to be, let's all stand, God bless you. You're gonna be given confidence and boldness in the Holy Ghost. stand in this nation, to stand in this nation where these boisterous Aussies, uncouth Aussies, P-man Aussies, because the Thai people are, it's their culture to be humble and shy, amen. The South Africans are all right, they can handle, man, they're used to it. They, they, they can stand up in Australia, amen. Ah, these Aussies, they're nothing. We can stand up to them. But the Thai people are different. They need confidence. They need boldness. They need the Holy Spirit. So Father, right now, as we lift our hands up to you, God, we pray, God, your Spirit come. Fill us, anoint us, bless us. Baptize us afresh, Lord God. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Just lift your hands to heaven. It's possible to be a believer and not have power. It's impossible to live the adventuresome life Christ intended without the Holy Spirit. That's the point of my message. Lloyd, Lloyd J. Oglevere states, great man of God, Presbyterian, Spirit-filled Christian, used to minister to the senators of the American government, outstanding teacher of the Word. He says, they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them. It would mean intellectual power. They would have wisdom and knowledge, intellectual power. 
What does the Holy Spirit mean? It would, it would be spiritual power. They would have great faith and be able to do impossible things as miracles of the Spirit. He says, thirdly, it would be emotional power. They would have deep love for one another and other people in the world. Fourthly, it would be physical power. They would have strength and endurance beyond their human potential. Father, we pray and we receive this power that you've given us. I, I just want you to stand there right now with your, your hands lifted high and just say, dear God in heaven, I need this power that you spoke about. I need it for my intellectual power, my spiritual power, my emotional power, and my physical power. I need it now, Lord. I recognize this is to give you glory, Lord. means this, that I can minister to those, the unlovable. Lord Jesus, I don't want this power just for myself. I want it to glorify you and to do your work as a witness and to communicate through my countenance, through my expression, through my behavior, through my attitude, through my serving, through my stepping up and being accounted for as an instrument of righteousness. Lord Jesus, baptize me now with your power from the crown of my head to the tips of my toes immerse me in the power saturate me in the power anoint me in your power <laughs> there it is there it is there it is as the music lifts just keep receiving that just keep receiving that right now Yes, Lord, we receive, we wait. We wait for the suddenlies of heaven to supernaturally intervene in our life. Just like Paul and Silas, while they were waiting in that, in that dungeon, they were waiting and they were worshiping. They were praising God. And at the 12th hour, suddenly, the doors were shattered open. The shackles broke open. And they were released out of their captivity because they waited with an expectancy that God would not let them languish in, in a damn cell. That He would come by the power. He would loose them and release them out of those closed, closed doors. You are being released right now from captivity. You are not cowering. 
of God has shed upon your heart today. God is giving you gifts to release His power. God has given you gifts to express His love one to another. Rejoice today in the love that God has given you. Death cannot extinguish it. God's love stretches from time eternal and reaches out to you with grace and mercy. The same love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Determine this day to reach out to someone today with the love of God. Determine that you'll have the expression of faith, hope and love. That your countenance is of glory. That your countenance is of faith. I release you from every dungeon. I release you from every closed door. I release you. And Paul and Silas walked out. They gave thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, that there's still areas of my life I need to be released. Eyes closed still. So God's, God's saying something as the last, last of this ministry is doing a good work. I, I say this to you, that some of you are still cowering behind closed doors. In your waiting, God is doing something. God is troubleshooting, enacting, putting things in place for you to step out into your new day. Be patient, my friend. God knows your anguish. God knows your frustration. God knows. God knows. hear the ache in your heart. You're not going to be ineffective, inept, insipid. You will step up to the challenge that God is asking you to step up to. You will have the encouragement. You will have the enthusiasm. You will have the determination to step up in these days. I break off disappointment off your life, discouragement off your life. I break it off your life. And I pray that you stand up into a new dispensation of expectant hope. For hope will not disappoint us. But it will, it will prove faithful. hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us been given to us that hope that you have in God my friend will not disappoint you that hope that you have in the church will not disappoint you that hope that you have in your marriage will not disappoint you that hope that you have in your business will not disappoint you that hope that you have in your health it will not disappoint you that hope that you have in this nation it will not 
disappoint you. Something's happening, I'm telling you. Something's happening. Shackles are coming off people. Doors are opening. Something's happening. I can't move for a moment. Just, just, keep, just keep, letting that, keep letting that happen. Keep letting that happen. Something's happening. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Intellectual power has been released. Spiritual power has been released. Emotional power has been released. Physical power has been released. You're going to be able to step up and stand in the vision that God has for you. Jesus knew that no one could step up and walk out this great plan of bringing the kingdom to pass without the Holy Spirit. He said, don't do anything in the last chapter of Luke. He says, don't do anything until you are clothed with power. 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 Wonder-working power of God to pray. You will pray. You will pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be expectant like an expectant mother and you will expect Jesus, the return of Jesus, and you will expect the glorious church to arise in the land. You will have an expectation. People will see it on you. You will be a communicator of great hope, great faith, great love in Jesus' name. And I confer the blessing upon you right now from the crown of your head to the tips of your toes. Bless you in the power of the in the power of the living God to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to your home, to your street, to your marketplace, to your workmates, to your region, to your nation. I release you to be a witness right now. listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.